Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes or Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I am your host. And today, I am sitting down on the interweb, so to speak, with Jared Foster. If you don't know Jared Foster, you may want to visit episode three of this podcast where I interview him uh, for the first time. And in that podcast, we talk more about him and his career and uh, what he does with the adventure media class at Texas Tech University. Um, But on this episode, I wanted to focus on something a little bit different. In addition to all of that, he is also a husband and a father. And I'm also a father to two girls. And it's obviously something that's very important to me. And the main topic of this conversation is basically being an adventurous parent um, slash husband partner whatever. Um, If you are a parent, then hopefully you'll be able to get something out of this episode. Jared juggles a lot between his work, his travel, and being an adventurous father. And I know that it's something that he works at. And in my opinion, he does very well. And so I asked him if he'd be willing to come on and share just his perspectives, his thoughts, how he does it, and have a conversation about being a, a father and being a husband and also, you know, taking care of yourself, having some time carved out so you can go on your own adventure or uh, just go on a bike ride to hit that reset button. Anyway, I think it was a great conversation. I got a lot out of it and I hope you do as well. And again, if you haven't listened to episode three, you might want to check that one out either before or after you listen to this one. He's got a lot going on. I feel fortunate to call him a friend and somebody that I look up to, and I appreciate him taking the time to come and share on the podcast today. Okay, before we get to the episode, a few quick things. The kick coronavirus in the teeth sale is still going on. We've had a lot of orders, so I think a lot of y'all are getting some retail therapy, uh, which is great. Appreciate all the orders. Uh, If you haven't yet, all you have to do is head over to bikesordeath.com. Everything in the store is 19% off for as long as this pandemic is going on. So to take advantage of that, just use C19 in the coupon code box and watch those dollars just melt away just want to thank everybody for your support if you would like to also support the show uh, there's a lot of ways you can do it on bikesordeath.com you can uh, there's links to everything Uh, the main way you can support the show is through patreon if you go over to patreon type in bikes or death you can support the show for as little as a dollar a month we send you some free swag and you are in our hearts and minds forever Uh, You can also just send a one-time donation via PayPal. If you think that this or another episode is good and you're like, hey, that was a good one. Let's throw this guy a couple bucks. Uh, That's always great. And um, lastly, the easiest thing you can do is go to iTunes and leave a review of the podcast. Um, I know I say it every time, but that is because it is that important. So if you'll take a few minutes, head over there and leave a review It is greatly appreciated, and it helps other people find the show. All right. Well, that's all I got. Let's get to the show. You load up your bike. You ride away from home. You could be with your friends, or you could be alone. You ride for a day, or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars and 
including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. All right, everybody. Uh, today I have Jared Foster back on the Bikes for Death podcast. Uh, if you've been listening along, he first or he was one of the first guests at number three, and I was actually doing the math, Jared, and this is going to come out as number forty-three. Oh wow, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> so we've had we've had a couple since the last time you and I got to chat. Thanks for uh, taking the time. I know it's a crazy time in life right now, so oh, yeah. thank you for taking the time and coming back to chat with yeah, me. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, so I've started something new um, just recently called the Getting to Know You round. So I'm mm. starting off the episodes with just five questions that are uh, kind of fun or just uh, get an idea of who you are. So why don't we start out with what you do for a living? Okay, uh, I am a professor of practice in the College of Media and Communication at Texas Tech University uh, out here in Lubbock, Texas. And uh, what what that means is I am a uh, I'm a photography and visual storytelling professor that also has a professional practice, uh, and that professional practice is is used in the classroom quite a bit. So I I am a professional photographer. I've, I shoot a lot of editorial and commercial stuff for uh, publications like, uh, you know, regional publications like Texas Highways and Texas Parks and Wildlife Magazine uh, and news stuff for people like the Texas Tribune, the New York Times, uh, all the way up to commercial stuff for any different client. A lot of my stuff revolves around the outdoors, outdoor recreation, conservation uh, and land stewardship. So I do a lot of work for the Nature Conservancy uh, and folks like that. So uh, I, I've got two different jobs, really. Uh, one is a professor and one is a photographer, but they dovetail pretty nicely uh, together. You and I are both fans of Chumba. Yep. Uh, I think you're up to two but two Chumbas right now, right? Yes. Which ones do you have? I have a, a steel Terlingua, their gravel bike, and then I have a uh, a new Sendero. So, and I just got that Sendero a couple months ago. All right. So, if you had to pick only one, which one would you go with? Oh, uh, the Turlingua. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I love the Sendero. It's it's hard because they're they're both fantastic bikes, but I can take that Turlingua on just about any trail I want to I want to ride on. And plus, it's a it's a long distance bike. I mean, it's so so comfortable. Uh, a hobby outside of bikes. I play a lot of guitar. So I, I, I used to tour in a kind of a country rock band for, for about six or seven years, uh, while I was in college and a little bit after college and I don't do that anymore. So I, I suppose that, uh, instead of saying I'm a professional musician, I can say I'm a hobbyist musician. Okay, one thing I always noticed about you, and I thought you were actually misspeaking at first, but I believe the phrase you use is make a picture. Make a picture, yeah, yeah. Instead of take a picture, I, and I think I might know the answer, but why do you use that phrase make a picture instead of take a picture? I think philosophically it it means that you're not creating just an object or you're not, you're not, 
just taking something for the sake of of, uh, of photography or your own enjoyment making implies that there's thought and intention care towards the subject um, you know we can get pretty heady on that but uh, it, 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 it in all honesty it boils down to language but at the same time it's uh, I'm very careful to say make because I think it provides the the proper and appropriate intention for the photographer uh, to be considerate and to make something different and more unique and maybe more compelling than somebody that's, you know, simply taking a picture. Right. Like I, I take pictures. Um, <laughs> I've seen your stuff, man. You're I, getting better. <clears throat> oh, thank you. I, I mean, I, I have been practicing. Uh, it's a fun, and I mean, you know, going, uh, with you and all your adventure media, uh, students, mm -hmm. I mean, everybody had a nice camera and I was there with my iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Well, you can make pictures <laughs> that, with an iPhone too. I mean, it's all about intent. I know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, this is going to dovetail kind of into our conversation today, but why don't you tell us about uh, your family? Um, yeah. Who all, uh, yeah. Yeah. So who's in your family? Yeah, sure. Um, there's there's five of us total um, in my immediate family. Uh, my wife, Amanda, and I have three daughters, uh, Eva is the oldest. She's eight. Lola May is uh, the middle child. She's six. And then we have a two-year-old. Her name is Emmy. Sorry, your oldest one is how old? She's eight years old. And that's yeah. the one that you just did the bikepacking trip with? Correct. Yeah, we, we did a, a overnighter on the Capitol Canyon State Park Trailway. And so we, uh, we biked from South Plains, Texas, which is on the top of the Llano Estacado, which is a pretty flat piece of the southern high plains and then we we biked down off the cap rock to uh, a, a place on this old trail it's it's a converted railway um, we biked 13 miles into uh, a place called the clarity tunnel where a lot of mexican freetail bats uh, come you know migrate uh, during the year and uh, we camped outside of it and then uh, the next day we just we, we did an out and back, so the next day we woke up and, and rode back up the, the Cap Rock. But yeah, she, she's eight years old, and this was her second wow. bikepacking trip. Actually, all of the kids have been on a bikepacking trip, but not that long. So, <laughs> wow. I thought she was older, man. That is no, eight, really impressive. Eight, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so eight, six, and two? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so that this is actually uh, something I've been wanting to talk to you about for a while is the fact that you um, are a very busy person in terms of your work life. And, um, but in addition to that, you also um, have a wife and three girls. And I know for a fact that you are engaged with them and you're recreating with them. Mm -hmm. um, and so really wanting to talk to you about how you balance your work, family and personal life um, and, and kind of, you know, do, do the best that you can. I think that's mm. all we can really do. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a, I'm now a single dad of two girls. I have a 10 year old and a three year old being a father obviously comes first. Um, but there's yep. a lot of other things in my life that, um, are, are important that I think bring value to my life. So I'm always mm -hmm. seeking that, that balance. And it's always a, uh, a, a, not a struggle, but it's a ever revolving thing to try to get that 
that balance. So, um, that's the main thing that I wanted to talk about, talk about today. But, Mm -hmm. um, before we get into that, I, I wanted to talk about what's going on with COVID-19 and how it's impacting the way that y'all are recreating right now. Um, Mm -hmm. so, I've been timestamping everything. Okay. Today is Saturday, March 28th. And I think it's important just because things are progressing so quickly that, um, you know, uh, we should have that as perspective for this conversation. Yeah. So what are your, how are y'all doing with the COVID-19 and stuff? Uh, you know, right now it's it, the, the first, it, it really hit us um, two weeks ago. Uh, that was... That was when we usually at the beginning of that week, I'm gone teaching a class during our spring break class, the adventure media class. Um, And when that, when the university canceled all university sponsored travel, that put the kibosh on that trip. And so, um, you know, it, it really came on in full that week because I was, I was here and my kids uh, and, and wife, they couldn't travel to, to their destinations because we just didn't feel like it was, you know, responsibly appropriate for them to, to make long hauls and, and what seemed to be an impending thing, a a big thing. And my wife is medical. She's, she's a nurse by, by trade. And, um, she's, she stays, stays up, you know, in tune with a lot of what's happening. And, and, uh, and she also is a nursing professor. So, so she's concerned about what, all of this is going to ha- you know happen for for her her students and her coursework and programming too. So anyways, we 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 basically had to cancel all all of our travel and and we stayed home uh which is is frustrated as we were with the particular circumstances and our plans that we'd been looking at for months. I mean, the adventure media class takes a year to plan. There's really you know, for us, there was a silver lining in it all that we, we got to spend time as a family together, uh, during a time when we, we typically don't have, uh, that time together. And so we, uh, we've actually been pretty decent. We, we've found a balance, uh, of work. We kind of take shifts back and forth on, on the computer and attending to emails and jumping on calls and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and then just hanging out with the kiddos and, uh, believe it or not, that the weather uh, outside of last week up here has been pretty phenomenal, and so we we've spent a lot of time outside with the with the kids, and you know there's 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 people during this this crisis that that are not not doing as as well, but you know we've 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 just chosen to see the the fortunate things that are happening uh, in in light of these kind of dire circumstances for us mm-hmm. and, as a family. Um, we've definitely been able to get out on bikes yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> you've been able to get what? We, quite a yeah, bit? we've been able to get out on bikes quite a bit. One thing that I've noticed um, is that there's a lot of families and kids out riding bikes, going on walks, going on runs mm-hmm. um, in the neighborhood. Like I've I've lived in this town 40 years, and I've lived in this neighborhood for five, so I'm very aware of. Uh, the traffic that I'm used to seeing yeah. uh, and it's gone up significantly. I'm, I'm curious if you're seeing the same thing in your, in your part of the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's 
I, I live in a neighborhood that's that's right across from the university, and we've got two pretty big, attractive parks for people to to recreate in, um, really from different parts of the city. And there, there's gobs more people out. Uh, obviously, that you know people are are now working from home. Unfortunately, some people have lost their jobs, but that that does give them an opportunity to to be outside more. Uh, people don't want to stay cooped up in their houses if they if they don't need to be, um, and you know, out, out outside is is the best place to be. I was I was actually just thinking about this the other day, um, on on a ride. Uh, I was I was thinking about like how outdoor recreation itself may not be the cure for COVID nineteen, but it might be the cure for the pandemic. Uh, it, in that there's, there's people are, are not necessarily rediscovering, but they're taking opportunity that they didn't have otherwise to, to mm-hmm. be outside, uh, to soak in something different than their typical routine. And, you know, that psychologically that's, that's gotta have a, hopefully a, a positive effect on, on, on folks. Yeah. Well, I had a similar thought. I mean, you mentioned looking at the bright side or the positive aspect, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a lot we can do um, to fight the virus other than really isolate yeah. and don't interact with other people. That's really the only tool in our arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you've accomplished that and you're taking the appropriate measures, I've, I've started to look at it on a larger scale and start to wonder what the long-term net result of this is going to be I wonder how many of those people are going to reconnect with, you know, exercise, the outdoors, riding bikes, and 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 how many of those people will it stick with? You know, how many people are going to rekindle relationships with their kids because all of a sudden we thought Netflix was unlimited, you know, entertainment, mm-hmm. but people are getting bored and they're like, okay, what do we do now? Yeah. And I, I find that they're spending more time with their kids and they're going outside and recreating. Yeah, I, I hope that continues. I've had a, a lot of conversations like that with, with neighbors that we'll see and really, honestly, some close friends that we don't see all that often because of how much uh, you know we, we, we are involved with, with work and travel and things like that. And I've been telling some of these folks, like, you know, I hope it, 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 whenever this kind of turns for the better, um, outside of of what positives could come out from a medical perspective from a personal and and from a community perspective i hope people start to see uh, and maybe it's because i start to i'm starting to see this that that we don't need to over program our lives as much as we we do now um you know we you think think back think back when we were kids because we're roughly the same age when we were kids like we just didn't have as many things to do we had plenty to do, but we didn't have yeah. as many things to do, uh, and we didn't also feel yeah. like we needed to do all of all of the things, right? Uh, and so, what what this actually allows us to do is is reorient our time around. You know, it sounds cliche, but it does reorient our time around things that that really do matter, and that's community, family, take you know, taking taking care of others, taking care of yourself. Uh, some yeah. some of those very primal things that's yeah you touched on um well all, a lot of the things that i've been thinking and I, i've been encouraging people to 
take this time without as many distractions to look inwardly and reconnect with yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's something that we don't do enough. And it's because we're just inundated all the time from every direction. Mm -hmm. And, And there's so many options and so many things we could be doing that you know, I wonder how many times people are really just, you know, meditating or going on a long bike ride and really reflecting on their own personal values and mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. So I think, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm hopeful that um, as a result of this, like we've been saying, that, that people will reconnect with some of those important value systems that maybe we've uh, lost sight of. Yeah, yeah. We shall see. Yeah. Our, um, yeah, well... You know, good luck to you and your family and everybody out there. I, I mean, I personally think that um, cycling and outdoor recreation is important to our mental and physical health, um, our just oh, overall well-being. I know for me, it personally is. And so, uh, and and I've read everything I can find about recreating outside from experts, and it's still an approved activity because of I think the value that it brings to us uh, as humans, the need to be out and and using our bodies and exercising and getting those endorphins. But, you know, I just want to say it with the caveat that you do so very responsibly. You know, I mean, I can't, right. it's not my job to police uh, the world or whatever, but, um, you know, you mentioned your wife is a, a nurse. And so I'm sure that y'all are taking all the proper precautions and and doing everything that you can to be socially responsible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think the flip side of that too is, you know, we, we gotta be really careful on how we read into, uh, this whole stay home, uh, movement. I, I, Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm fully behind the, the theoretical intention on that. And, And I think a lot of people understand where that's coming from. For outdoor recreationalists, um, particularly cyclists uh, and runners, um, hikers, that that doesn't mean you. I think we sometimes read it as a as a like you cannot leave your home. Uh, That that's not what that means, or at least that's not how I'm interpreting it. That that just simply means that stay stay local, right? Don't don't propagate uh, or the, the potential. Uh, for this to spread uh, past any particular community, especially into into the rural communities that that lack the proper access to to healthcare to to deal with this, um, and uh, I, I, you know I think so many people's gut you know kind of uh, knee jerk reaction to this was like, well I, I'm going to go to somewhere where I'm I'm going to go somewhere rural because I want to get away from it all. Uh, not knowing whether or not they, they had it. When, when Eva and I uh, went bikepacking uh, a, couple, a couple weekends ago, we did not stop anywhere. I mean, the, the trailhead is an hour away from the house. We went to the trailhead. We got to the trailhead. We offloaded our bikes. We biked to our destination, camped, came back, loaded up, and came home. Uh, that yeah. we, we didn't, you know, quote unquote, stay home in that we. We, we did travel somewhere, but we didn't interact with, with anyone. Uh, and I think that's, you know, we, just, right. we have to be really, really smart and, like you say, socially responsible about how we, how we recreate because it is, it's, it's, it's healthy for us, it's mentally healthy for us, it's viable for us because we're outside as opposed to cooped in indoors where this kind of stuff does spread and kind of, kind of harbors itself. But 
you know, we, we got to be really careful because I think a lot of people read that stay home, particularly outdoor recreationalists, and they, they think it's like an insult to them uh, or, or they get defensive about it. And yeah. I'm like, it's okay. You know, it, it's good intention, <laughs> but make sure that you're not just blowing it off to go somewhere. Make sure that you're doing so properly and responsibly. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I'm I'm glad you said that and that's something that I wanted to talk about because there is some discussion about uh recreating outside on on the internet that I've, you know, seen and I'm guessing you have as well. And I've I've had some conversations about, you know, the image that I put out on Instagram um and we all should know that Instagram is not reality, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, first off, yeah. but, but the problem is, you know, I was talking to a friend and the problem is, is that it's unfortunate that, you know, you and I might have an informed perspective, um, and, and really be taking this seriously and going through all the hoops to make sure that us, our families and our communities are safe. Um, but there's other people who are getting their news from, you know, Facebook or Instagram and, and informing opinions about how the, the behaviors and the way that they should be recreating and what's okay and what's not okay. Um, I'll just say, you know, much like you, you know, the other day I went for a, a ride, but I drove 30 miles outside of town and, and, and rode where there was absolutely nobody. And I don't think you have to go through that stream, but I, I like to get away from people. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that's not really a hard thing for me to do, but I mean, <laughs> I haven't been to a store in, in 12 days. I have extra gas. I have so much food. I have all the bike packing gear. I have, I mean, uh, I've been riding bikes for 40 years and I've never been to a doctor or a hospital as a ro- result of, yeah. of riding bikes, you know? Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I, I think the the message that I I can't control what everybody does, but I, I just want to highlight the fact that you know you and I are choosing to continue to recreate. Um, I'm taking my uh, kids on bike rides. Um, nothing crazy, but mm-hmm. uh, that is a valuable part of who we are. I think it's I think mo- people should be. Uh, exercising and, and get doing all those positive things for their mental and physical health. Mm-hmm. But we are doing so um, un, within the guidelines of experts who are saying that this is okay out to activity. You know, you're outside, mm-hmm. big open spaces, keep your distance, don't interact with others, be safe, mm-hmm. don't put a strain on the healthcare system, and it's okay to go and, and recreate and ride your bike. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, th- I think that, okay. I mean, that's the, the most important thing there is, you know, probably during a time like this is, it's just that, that relief of stress you get in, in being able to, to go outside, to get a little physical, um, you know, uh, activity going. It, it's man. I mean, you, you know, I mean, every, every cyclist out there, every runner, every hiker knows the, the, the benefit of that. And, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a 45 mile, you know, dirt road ride that, that goes through, you know, some, some crazy stuff. It just, it needs to be some sort of activity outside that to release that stress. And yeah, I don't think anybody's arguing with that and nobody's stopping people from that. Well, I'm glad. And I hope that continues. I I went for an hour ride last night just to clear my head. And and I do that most days or nights. Just, I mean, if it, can be an hour to just get out and let some steam off and reset and great 
you know? Yeah. Well, good. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. Um, there's a lot of conversation actually going around, obviously. So mm-hmm. I wanted to touch on that, but let's go back to before the virus now and, and hopefully after the virus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, th- this may be a very challenging question or maybe not, but can you talk a little bit about how you personally balance your own work, home and recreation life? Mm. It's a full on job in it, in itself, I suppose. Uh, the, you know, I, w- when, when I started thinking that I, I really wanted to be a photographer, I wanted to be a lawyer uh, at first and, and I really had no reason why I wanted to be a lawyer. I just knew I was getting a, an education that pointed me towards a law degree. And, uh, but, uh, when I, when I started photographing, I started thinking about doing this professionally. I, I was very fortunate to, to train and, and kind of be a mentee under, the state photographer of Texas Wyman Menzer, um, I, I, I saw how active he was. I saw how, how passionate he was about not just work, but, but his work. And I, and then I saw his work ethic and, 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 uh, that, that kind of rubbed off on me. And so I, I just stayed busy. That, that was before, uh, you know, I, I really met my wife and, um, started dating and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, when we, when we got married, um, I, I was, I was really ramping up just how busy I was, uh, behind the camera. And, and by that time I was already a, um, a part-time instructor in the, in the college. And, and, uh, you know, fr- from that point forward, uh, she she kind of jokes to people. She's like, I've never known Jared not to be working until midnight, uh, on, on something. And it's usually photo related. And, um, I used to write quite a few books and, and so on and so forth. So there, there was always some sort of project work that came complement to, uh, my teaching and then also just kind of our, our, our lifestyle. But, uh, when we started adding kids to the mix, it's not that that stuff got any less busy. It's just that the time got more compressed. And, and so, kids, I mean, you know, this being a parent and any parent hopefully knows this, like kids, I I don't like to be cliche and say that, that kids change your lives. Of course they do. I mean, that, that's, Mm. that's implied. Uh, but they, they do, uh, they do make you refocus your time, uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to have a, uh, I mean, just the, just the most awesome support system in in the world with with my wife and um, you know she she's she we 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 had kids after a couple years of marriage. She saw how I was working, what I was working towards, basically how my how my work itself manifested throughout any given work year, and and I did the same with her too. Uh, but when we started having kids, yeah, I think she and I both knew how we both were going to work around having children in the house and in our lives. Um, Mm. and we, uh, you know, I don't know if there's any sort of secret sauce there. It's, it's just that, you know, we, we find our balance in being, um, I don't know what the right word is, but we find balance in being able to help each other, and recognize whenever that help is really needed. 
Um, now that that all being said, uh, you know she she might say something completely different, but um, I, I I do feel like I like I, I get the benefit of it a little bit more uh, than her um, when it comes to 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 working and and you know I, I I've been able to turn a, a, a few different you know what is considered a hobby by some people into a profession and, and I feel very blessed in, in that. But, um, you know, she, she, she sees the same value in it, I think as I do. And so, um, you know, she, she's really provided the support for me to be able to do the, the work that, that yeah. I get to do. And, and really that involves the travel. Cause that's the toughest part is just right. being gone. Like last summer I was, I was in, I was home for 12 days. Oh. And yeah, and uh, that's between teaching a, a 15-day field course down in the Texas Hill Country. Uh, I spent most of June on assignment, um, different places, New Mexico, different places in Texas. And then I spent all of July in New Zealand uh, teaching. And, and, and now... Skype and Zoom and FaceTime, all wonderful technologies that, that make that much, much more approachable than than not being able to talk to my kids and my family. But but that's still pretty tough, uh, you know. And it's and it's just simply the travel involved that is the time suck uh, in in this kind of you know maintaining the the right type of relationships you you want with your with your kids and family as a whole. Um, but I, you know, again, I, I don't. The secret sauce is is just, uh, I, you know, my, my wife is the secret sauce. Like she's she's super supportive, uh, but she also she also keeps me in line. Uh, she also keeps things in perspective for me. You know, hey, you need to you you, you need to change that kid's diaper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you, you need to you need to take that kid out for an ice cream or something uh, uh-huh. when I don't readily recognize it, and that usually happens yeah. when I'm coming directly back from a trip you know I'm, I'm having to shift modes a little bit and she helps reorient me quite right. a bit yeah you you said something that i wanted to highlight um which is you've been able to make your hobby and your job uh dovetail nicely together i guess mm-hmm. hobbies being heck man you've used music uh photography cycling and you've been able to incorporate all those different things at different times mm-hmm. and that's one thing that i've um really been realizing myself as I started a podcast. Um, you know, the first time I ever recorded an episode was whenever we took a family trip up to, um, uh, North Carolina and I interviewed Greg Hardy mm-hmm. and it, it was a light bulb moment that, you know, I, I didn't go there specifically to interview Greg Hardy, but I can go with my family. We can do a trip and then I can also, you know, uh, cut out a little bit of time for, you know, something, some me time, some, something that I'm passionate about, you know, and, uh, it's really opened my eyes to this idea. And, and honestly, your example has been one of the things that has helped inform this, Mm. um, pretty greatly actually is that, you know, no one's going to create the perfect job for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there wasn't a adventure media class until you created it. right? Right. So, um, I was talking to, um, I was on a bike ride, uh, this, uh, girl, Amanda that I met her, she's a Kona rep mm-hmm. and she was working a lot in, in sales for Kona. And one day she just went to her boss. She had this idea that 
what if I uh, traveled around the country and did demo events and, you know, tried to pick up new dealers all over the United States and her, her company thought it was a great idea. They bought her a sprinter van, her and her husband and her dog now live on the road going around and living a, a really, uh, meaningful lifestyle to them. And then also she's working, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I really congratulated her on that is like, I'm not, you know, she identified that she wasn't really happy. And then she advocated for herself and, and was creative to figure out a way that it, it could all work for all parties involved, you know, yeah. your family life and your work life and everything kind of, I guess, getting it on the same page or as close to the same page as you can. So there's right. not as much con contrast there. Yeah, no, I, you know, I've, I've been, I, I'm, I, I have a unique job, um, you know, as a, as a professor, but especially as a professor of practice, one that obligates me to be a professional in the field in order to be successful in the classroom at the university uh, and, and kind of fulfill that role that the university expects of this type of professorship. And, you know, part of that means that I can be entrepreneurial um, uh, or, or still be entrepreneurial about what I'm coming up with in terms of class programming, but but also how I, I, I direct my professional photography career and how that informs what I do there. You know, it's uh, I I, uh, I I love I love cycling. I, I love it, but at the same time, it I I knew that if I was going to be spending that much time on the bike to justify being i mean simply just gone on the bike right i mean every time you do a bike ride it could be a couple hours you know at least and um just to justify spending that much time on the bike i needed to figure out how i can uh you know orient that towards work as well uh, because it was also taking time away from professional work uh right the, the photography work well I mean, a lot of the work that I was doing anyway was outdoor recreation, outdoor conservation pointed anyways. And I got into cycling because of how it, uh, one of the reasons why, uh, how it oriented me towards the outdoors in a different way. So why not be able to, to use it as a professional tool as well? I kind of, I joke to people, uh, every, every so often I say, I'm a professional cyclist. I, I don't race, <laughs> but, uh, you know, every now and then I, I have the chance to, to make a little money on top of the bike. Uh, but it's, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm always searching for story. I'm always searching for a way to, to, to create. And, and I think that the bike has just been, you know, another perfect vessel for me to, to do that on. And the fact that, yeah. that it's something that people do as a hobby, which means my family would do it as a recreational hobby. It just kind of works out that, that we can all be involved with it and even my career at, at, at different levels. Um, where I've kind of landed is, you know, if we're talking about work-life balance or work-family-life balance, and then, and then personal time is I value, or I prioritize it as family first, job second, and me third mm -hmm. and me is me riding my bike <laughs> yeah in case anybody was wondering i mean that's yeah. that's my me time but i've i've um i i truly know it's not a belief at this point but i know that uh 
going outside and riding my bike is a very valuable function in my life mm -hmm. towards my mental and my physical health, um, resetting me, allowing me to refocus on being a family man and letting the pressure go from, you know, whatever happened at work today. Um, and I, I just wanted to get your personal thoughts on that, but I, I do, yep. I do prioritize riding bikes and it's not just something I, Oh, this is fun. There is, a significant value there and so it's not me neglecting my family I think whenever I go for a bike ride for an hour or two it's me taking care of myself so I can be fully present as a father and as a you know husband well not a husband right now but you know yeah for yeah. people who are uh <laughs> yeah I totally agree I mean it's it's a I like how you kind of give it a prioritization list or numbering um whenever I got married uh I had, we had a conversation, we were at dinner one night and, and, uh, you know, again, we'd kind of found out our work rhythms, our professional careers. And, you know, we're young professionals at that point. And, um, I, I, I told Amanda, I said, you know, if, if Nat Geo called me tomorrow and said they needed me for six months, which, you know, they're not going to do, but, but if they did, I, I, I said, I'd have to go and I'd be gone for six months. Um, hmm. and, and she said, she said, that's, that's fine. She goes, I know that's, you know, part of one of the, one of the doors, uh, that you're, you've kind of pointed yourself towards opening. And, um, she said, but she goes, you just have to know that if I call, uh, and I have to, you know, and, and I've got a kid on the line that's, that's missing dad and need, you know, needs to have a conversation with dad. Or if I have a kid that needs to be disciplined, or if I just need to have a conversation that you have to be present on that, on the other end of that line. And, and, you know, that was our agreement. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't sound as meaningful when you just put it in words like that. Uh, and, and I'm sure it doesn't sound as meaningful when it's just kind of listened to it in, a, in an episode, but, but that was, super, I, I'm taking yeah. it. I, I, I'm taking that yeah. very meaningfully. Well, I that, mean, as you're talking, I actually wrote down uh, good communication with spouse Yeah, and yeah. just like really, um, I'm, I've failed at marriage, so I'm not going <laughs> to give any marital yeah. advice. But uh, one thing I've learned from uh, being in all kinds of relationships is the value of communicating uh, who you are, the priorities in your life, you know, what your life looks like, the, the different doors that could possibly open and allowing that person the space to be okay with that or to reevaluate if that's going to work for them. Yeah. You know, I've always yeah. felt like just as humans or as a person, I always want to seek out the best information. And so if I'm looking to engage with a, a person and develop a long-term relationship with them, they need the best information possible so they can, you know, figure out if, if that works for them. And if it doesn't, Yep. then you probably, it's not going to work in the long run. So let's yeah. not put a square pa square peg into a round hole. So I, I got a lot yeah. of value out of what you said. I mean, well, having it, those very frank conversations. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it, well, that just translated to me as, you know, I, I just, I have to, I have to be around. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've, I guess, you know, fortunately been mentored by, by people, uh, you know, professionally, like photographers that they really had to, uh, you know, had some rough spots in their, their familial relationships. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up with a, a pretty close knit family on, on a family ranch. And, um, 
you know, I, I, I had a, had a, had and still have a, a really, really great family, um, uh, orientation, uh, in, in, in background. And, and I, I want that for, for my family. And I knew that, you know, compromise doesn't sound like the right word, but, but there has to be some, some comfort or tolerance, uh, for being, for making compromises towards what's most important. And what's most important is simply being present when, when, when my family not only needs me, but when I need to be there, um, Mm. and and need to be around them and when I need them. And so it's a, yeah, there's, there's a, you know, we were talking about striking balance earlier. I mean, that we have to strike the right type of balance. The right type of balance is, is established whenever you, like you put it, so eloquently when you establish the, the priorities in the right order. Um, you know, none, none of us are making, we're, we're, we're not, we're not professional racing cyclists. Um, right. when, whenever I'm on assignment and the bike is involved, I'm still a photographer first. So I might have to train, uh, to go do a four day, five day tour, uh, that I'm, that I'm also, that I'm a part of, that I'm helping write a story on, but I'm, I'm also the photographer on, but I'm not training like a professional athlete, um, and, and, and devoting that much time to it because I can't, you know, I, I've got to spend time right. with my, my family. I've got to, I've got to feed people. I've got to go teach, you know, and, and then yeah. I've got to hang out with my kids and, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just really, really fortunate that, that, uh, you know, what looks like a hobby for a lot of people, I've been able to embed in my professional career really with, with everything that I've, I've kind of picked up as a hobby. And, uh, and then, but that also allows me to direct it around family activity as well. Uh, Well, perfect segue. Um, let's talk about some of the trips that you've taken with your kids. I remember one, uh, in particular, uh, that you took, I believe with your whole family Mm -hmm. and, I remember just, you know, you made an Instagram post about, uh, being under the night sky. Um, so I don't, would you like to talk about a few of the different trips you've t- uh, yeah. taken your family on and, yeah. and obviously you just took one with your oldest daughter. So yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear some of those. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, my, so my, my wife is, is, uh, she's a, she's a traveler. She's like a true traveler. Uh, and, uh, one that, that has the, the wanderlust that, uh, I think, um, really feeds valuable travel experiences. She's not afraid to jump into anything new. She's, she's not afraid to jump, especially into new environments and interact with, with new people. Um, and, and so she, she did a ton of traveling before we were even married and, and, but she also traveled under mostly professional circumstances. Um, because, you know, neither one of us grew up, you know, just flush with cash. So we, we had to make sure that our professional orientation allowed us to take advantage of travel. Well, mm-hmm. I think with that intention in mind, we, we've really kind of oriented our family's travel around not just like vacation or recreation, but about having a true purpose in, in, in the task and, and uh, getting value out of where we go and what we experience. We, you know, we've done things as, as, as simple as, you know, uh, group. I mean, we just went on a group bike ride. I mean, that's, that's travel, uh, last night, but, uh, to traveling overseas, I was teaching overseas, uh, in Scotland one year, uh, I brought them to, to Ireland and we spent two weeks just, just kind of rambling around Ireland and in and out of people's lives and, and 
experiencing culture with the kids as they were really young. And fortunately, they still remember that. Um, but, uh, you know, the, I think that the trips that have been the most meaningful, especially most recently, are, are, are those revolving around the bike. The, the one you were talking about um, just now was a, a, an entire family bikepacking trip that we took uh, on the Caprock Canyon State Park Trailway. It's just an hour away from here, so it's, it's really close and convenient for us. And, and I say an hour away is really close. It is for West Texas. But um, we, we, were, uh, we just decided one, one day, like, hey, let's just go take the kids camping. And uh, I said, well, let's go on the trailway. At that point, uh, everybody's riding a bike except for, for the youngest. She's in a, a burly trailer. Uh, so we just load the mountain bikes up. We go to this six-mile section of the trailway that we can access a, a kind of a midway point trailhead. Get on it, bike six miles in one one afternoon, set up camp uh, right outside of the Clarity Tunnel um, on the on the trailway, and watch the wildlife and, and listen to the wildlife and, and eat eat a dinner that that was really a disaster to eat but you know that, that's just camping with kids and, and family and really the disaster was my fault you know but but um but we just had a had a great time and then when we went to bed that night we we left um because we had the burly trailer we could pack our big tent and uh we we left the fly off the tent it was warm that night and the stars were were out and this is a place that gets super dark i mean it's it, it's not a i don't think it's a dark sky designated area but it it, it should be. It's, it's so dark. And uh, I wake up in the middle of the night and, uh, you know, all the stars are out and you can see through the, the mesh in the tent. And I look over and my, our two-year-old, which at, at the time she was not quite two, she's just sitting up and staring at the stars. And nobody else is, is, is up. They're all asleep. And all I can see is a silhouette of her and she's got a pretty defining silhouette because she's got a lot of hair. I mean, it, it's just a, it's a fro. Um, <laughs> and, and so I see this just big ball of hair, uh, above everyone else. She's just sitting up and she's just looking at the sky. And I thought that was just the coolest thing. So I just, you know, I, I watched her for a little while. And, and then I, after, after I kind of really got my feel of, of watching my, my kid and, and wonder, uh, over the night sky, I whispered to, to Amanda and Amanda was laying next to her and I said, Hey, look. And so she got to see it just a little bit. And then Emmy then just laid back down next to, next to Amanda. And, um, and I thought that, I mean, that was one of the most valuable things that I've, I've ever experienced with, with my family and especially yeah. doing something that, that I love to do, uh, with, you know, my favorite people in the world. So. Yeah. I, <clears throat> while you were talking, I, uh, I looked up a quote from Last Child in the Woods, mm -hmm. which is a book I know you're familiar with. You actually oh, yeah. brought it up on the first, uh, the first time you and I spoke on the podcast yep. and I went out and got the book and I'll be honest, I, I stopped at chapter eight, uh, because I have ADD and there's a lot of great books out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I, I, I get need it. to finish it. But yeah. the, the first page of the introduction says, within the space of a few decades, the way children understand and experience nature has changed radically. The polarity of the relationship has reversed. Today's kids are aware of the global threats to the environment, but their physical contact, their intimacy with nature is fading. 
that's exactly the opposite of how it was when I was a child. And it's uh, that has really stood out to me. My daughter is learning about global warming and mm -hmm. is very educated about uh, wildlife and uh, scarce resources and part of this is because i've also been teaching her but i've noticed that yep. the school system is is backing that up as well and they have a much much better uh greater understanding of the world we live in but what's lacking is that connection to nature and uh it's really up to us as parents um to instill that in them you know, I mean, if you live in the city, mm -hmm. you got a, you know, backyard and you plant a garden or what, you know, I mean, your experience with nature is very yep. limited and you're not going to get that, that, that perspective mm -hmm. of the planet you live on, unless you go to a place like Caprock Canyon and look up at the night sky at 2 a.m. and you can see everything. Yeah. And it really puts that all in you and I think puts us in perspectives, gives us humility and then ties it into that understanding that, that, you know, education that we have, but tying the two together. Um, yeah. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah. yeah um, Last Child in the Woods is, uh, was, was a huge uh, transformational book in, in, in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was a, it was like the first book after I'd finished all of my education that I I, I got to read for for pleasure. Uh, doing the, the the kind of education I I did, you know, you, you kind of you kind of don't read fiction anymore. I love nonfiction and I I love sociology, and so that book really stuck out to me. And and uh, but it really made me think about how much I took for granted growing up on a ranch. Uh, I grew up on a big cattle ranch near Fort Worth. Uh, my family's still there. Uh, you know, we're, 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 we're able to go back home and, and, and hang out on, on the ranch where, where certainly life is a much slow, it, it passes at a much slower pace, um, but it allows you so much freedom of movement. Uh, and, and it made me think really value in, in a much more intense way all of the time that my cousin, uh, my older cousin and I used to just ramble around the ranch or, or value the time that I was working with my grandfather or working for my grandfather, moving cattle around or, or you know, hoeing weeds out in the pastures. I mean, stuff that seemed like menial labor that, that now I, I think back and I'm like, that, that really helped shape me in a lot of different ways. And one of those ways was was just that that uh, orientation towards towards the outdoors and, and to nature and the environment uh, and so that that book drove home uh, just how intensely valuable my life on the ranch was and how much I needed to to try to guide my my kids towards having those experiences and it wasn't just me my, my wife values the exact same things just as just as strongly and so uh you know she, i don't know if she read the book or not but but we uh we, we we just we had conversation after conversation about it and we you know we we decided like that's that's going to be something that we make sure we provide for our children and, and not in a way we're like you know we're, we're ostracizing ourselves from from other communities and, and our kids from other kids because they need to have a you know a proper social life and things like that but 
but in a way where it stands out as a priority for us as a family uh, to, to connect with, with nature and, and the environment in, in different ways. And you're, you're exactly right. You know, the, the schools are teaching uh, their students and, and, it, and it makes sense to do it at the elementary level because that's when you can really start changing culture and perspectives on things moving forward is if, if you bring them this, this great information early on. But uh, you're exactly right. They, they know, they have all of the knowledge, but they, there's a lot of kids out there that have just have, have never walked a creek bed in, in a dry arroyo uh, in a state or national park somewhere. There's, there's still a lot of kids that, you know, w- with all their knowledge, they've, they've never uh, been, been beyond their backyard. Now, I will say, though, like s- being outdoors in general is, is one of the best things that you could do for, for your kids and, and, your, and, and, well, for you in general. Um, and so if, if the nearest access to, to nature is in your backyard, then, then great. Uh, and as long as you have that intention of, of experiencing it in a way that, uh, I, I, again, I guess kind of amplifies uh, your proximity to nature as opposed to just thinking, well, this is just the backyard. This is where I go to, to uh, you know, throw around a football, um, which you know, nothing against that or anything like that. But it's, uh, it, it's just, it is different, you know, the, it, and of course in Texas, it's, it's different where, where we don't have a whole, whole lot of public land, but there is a lot of open space. Um, and so I think for a lot of, a lot of Texans, and this may be true of, of a lot of people in the United States, um, the, the, the outdoors is, is what's just simply outside your car windows, um, as you're, as you're driving, driving through an area. And, you know, we, we've just decided that that's just not enough, you know, for us and, and, and our family. And, uh, it sounds like, you know, you've, you've done the same thing, uh, with your kiddos and, 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 and I, you know, I'm around a lot of students at, at the university level who, who, um, have been oriented, uh, towards the outdoors, either by, by parents or, or friends or maybe activities that they get involved in, uh, at the university. Uh, and in, in a lot of them, in talking to a lot of them, I find out that a lot of them are, uh, are prone to being active outside, t- to appreciating nature from a tactile perspective through the invitation from other people. Uh, and I want my kids, uh, they, you know, Eva's eight, she did her, her first, you know, uh, kind of, her, her, her longest bike packing trip without the rest of the family around her, um, at eight years old, I want her to take that pretty unique experience for an eight year old and translate that into influencing another friend to maybe not do that, but to at least do something outside that is, you know, is, is going to benefit them in the long run. And that, I mean, to, to me, you know, that, that's how you, that's how you kind of spread the love of the outdoors and outdoor. It's, okay. I agree with that a hundred percent. What I would also add to that, at least my perspective as a father is I, I believe that doing something like that with your daughter or your son is going to, 
help them on many levels, um, decision-making, critical mm-hmm. thinking, uh, motor skills, mm-hmm. um, you know, all kinds of stuff that, you know, you're developing, um, as a result of just going out with some, I think the word is like unstructured activity. You know, that's yeah. one thing I look, learned from reading the book is that recreation has become very structured. Many of us do it indoors or there's playgrounds, Um, and you and I, we grew up in just a different time. Like when I grew up, there was a Creek behind my house and, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we rode bikes all over town, playing in creeks, building forts, um, Mm -hmm. you know, every crazy thing, making, uh, uh, not too safe ramps and getting hurt and, (laughs) you know, uh, and all that. But, you know, there's value there that you're learning as a kid, you're learning that when I do this, there's a consequence, um, but there's also a benefit too, like you were saying, there's a benefit of, of it. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it really creates, in my opinion, a well-rounded person that has a lot more depth than just, this is how we recreate. We go in the yeah. backyard or we go to a playground and, and that's it, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I you know, we're, we're very fortunate. Our, our kids are, are healthy. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's nothing that we medically worry about with, with our children. And, um, you know, and, and, and we intend to, to keep them that way. You know, we, we we have the means to feed them in, in a way that promotes good health and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, to, to me, the biggest impact that, uh, outside of, you know, appreciation and stewardship of, of the environment is, uh, the the biggest benefit of, of outdoor recreation like this with the kids is is uh, is is the mental health uh, uh, benefits mm-hmm. and impact. Yes. Uh, you know, you you can you can monitor your kids physically and see how healthy they may be in a lot of different ways. But you know, that I, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm at a university and it, it's university students in general. Like this is across the board, nearly nearly thirty percent. Uh, seek some sort of counseling or guidance around mental health issues while they're while they're at college. That's that's a significant percentage of, of students uh, oh, yeah. out there, and so so my my biggest the, the 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 primary the premise of Last Child in the Woods is fighting nature deficit disorder. And if anybody follows me on Instagram, you'll see that the first hashtag that I strategically put in the first comment. Uh, because that's how, obviously how you're supposed to do it on, on Instagram. Uh, but the first hashtag I put there is hashtag fight nature deficit disorder. And I mean that a hundred percent every mm-hmm. time I put it there, like I, it's, it's given me honestly direction around even what I post uh, on Instagram and what I seek out as a professional photographer and storyteller. I want things that, that inspire. I want to produce things that inspire people to take action towards fighting nature deficit disorder yeah. uh, somehow if it's travel if it's uh, being active outdoors whatever it is um, because when we do that and and there's as you pointed out earlier there's plenty of literature out there stating that time outdoors is is a huge boon to mental health uh, right and I feel I just feel like a lot of the students that I'm around that have had strong orientations towards the outdoors before they get into college seem to 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 be more confident they seem to have a path that they're passionate about um and and they know that they're going to fail they know that they're going to 
to hit some bumps along the way, but they they have a they have sight. They have a, a way of forecasting uh, what they're going to do with their passion. Uh, they're also more flexible. I mean, there's just a lot of things uh, that, that that come from uh, just this this intense exposure to the outdoors. That yeah, yeah, you're right. That we 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 tend to want to put into the schedule of things that we do as opposed to you know making sure that we just spend time around it and. Uh, yeah, it's 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 an odd thing that we do nowadays with with uh, our outdoor time. Well, one thing I wanted to uh, touch on there was inspiring people to fight nature deficit disorder. And mm-hmm. it's interesting, like you know, like we were saying, you and I didn't have to work as hard to experience nature. But as yeah. you know, most of us live in cities and everything. All the parks have uh, you know all the natural areas have become like parks with manicured grass and you know Mm -hmm. playgrounds with safety rules and everything all over them um it's it's harder now as as a father or parent Mm -hmm. to give your kids that experience but we both identified how important that is so you know aside from inspiring people how hard is it to be a father and take three girls on a bike packing trip (laughs) and you know, all that, you know, like, well, let's I, shed some real light on what it's like to be yeah. a parent <laughs> and doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, uh, with, with, with everything you, you just have to realize right off the bat that nothing is ever going to be perfect. Uh, and you know, I think when you, when you try to take your kids camping, uh, especially for the first time, when you try to take them bike packing for the first time, you know, you want to do it uh, by some sort of recipe that you've seen cobbled together on Instagram by people mm. that are not taking their families bikepacking, <laughs> by the right. way. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, these influencers that, that were, were inundated with, which, you know, I, 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 I love every one of them. There's a lot of great ones out there and I, I follow some people that I think have a lot of value, uh, put, produce a lot of value for our, genre of activity and the outdoors and the environment but um you know they it's it's their job uh to to have everything dialed in or to seemingly have everything mm-hmm. dialed in yeah the 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 number one thing that i always have to keep in mind uh wh- when i introduce my kids to something that i'm you know relatively proficient at uh, is that it's really not ever perfect for me so why should i expect to create a perfect experience for them when it comes to the technical stuff, I want them to have an experience that doesn't drive them away from doing it in the future. And, and so for, for our, you know, our kids, it's, it's really, you know, I, I, my, my wife, she, she, uh, she tells me, she's like, look, you know, the bikes are, are, that's your job. So, you know, mm-hmm. make sure that you've got all the stuff that, that you need to take care of, all of the bikes because now there's there's quite a few of them um and and then she takes care of just prepping the 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 girls on things and and we both work together and making sure that they they've packed what they need Uh, i mean i don't know if this is getting too technical for you but it's it's just or two on the ground but it's uh you know it's it's not like it's it's not dissimilar on going on a trip to to the ranch back home it's it's you know but it's just packing a, a few fewer clothes and and making sure that this that the that our our girls uh 
are not expecting it to be maybe as comfortable uh, mm. or uh, exactly like it is at home, but right. making sure that they do expect that it is going to be a fun experience. And, and that's the main thing right now is making sure that they, they consider this to be more fun than it is suffer. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the balancing act I wanted to play with, with Eva a couple of weekends ago. And we, when we did our trip together, it, it was, she was going to have to ride basically downhill for 13 miles, which was, which was great uh, in, in theory. Uh, and then 13 miles uphill uh, the next day. And turns out that we rode into a headwind in sub 40 temperatures in misty uh, conditions the first day, 13 miles downhill. Uh, and then we rode into a headwind 13 miles uphill uh, the next day in nearly 80 degrees. Uh, so, oh. so yeah. It, it, and so it, during those circumstances, it's all about just balancing and, and monitoring her mental state, uh, if you will, uh, hmm. it, during the time of the activities and preparing them beforehand, like what it's going to be like, uh, helps out quite a bit. And so we, in doing that, uh, you know, I could I could ask Eva at any time along the trail, like, "How you feeling?" She's like, "I'm good," but you know that she's like, she's putting her head down and she just wants to get to the next breaking spot. Yeah. Um, and and there were moments where it was like, "Hey, can we take a break?" And and I'm like, "Yes, we can. We're gonna bike up to that tree that you see a hundred yards ahead of us." And she's like, "Why can't we stop now?" And and I just I'm, I'm I always like have I want to have a a that I can see that I want to break. Like I want to get to that spot instead of just stopping right there. Uh, and I just kind of translated that to her and you know, it, it anyways, I, I'm, I'm getting, I'm rambling, but, but, uh, no, I, this is, this is yeah. good. I mean, it, that, that's kind of what I was, what I was wanting to kind of shed some light on is, uh, is how challenging it is. Um, you know, kids are going to get tired. One of them might have a poopy diaper one yeah. of them is going to be hungry. One of them has got to go pee. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be challenges that come up. I mean, you can't control the weather. Um, yeah. But I, you, I but think the you message can't control is, your expectations, though. And right. that, that's but, the main thing. Yeah. yeah so the, I guess I guess my my personal thought is it is hard. It's not easy to be, you know, to take kids out and, and do a, a 26 mile overnighter with an eight year old in, you know, hard ish, you know, in uh, conditions. Um, but I think my experience has been is that the the hardness is way outweighed by the positive aspect of, of the trip. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to get your perspective on that. And also how are your kids responding, you know, yeah. to the, to the whole of the experience, not the, Oh, it's hard. It's cold, but to the whole of the experience, what kind of impact is it having? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I will say that, you know, knowing that all of your kids are very different is helpful. Mm. Uh, you know, none of my kids are the exact same you might be able to hear one of them is like singing at the top of her lungs right now. And yep. she's the one that's super different than her older sister. Uh, <laughs> and, and that one doesn't necessarily like to go on long bike rides as much as the older one. So no, knowing what 
how how they are and who they are before we get into one of these kinds of things is is, is pretty key. But at the same time, hopefully the result of what's going to happen, the the impact that these kinds of experiences makes on them, is is pretty similar. Um, my my oldest daughter, I mean, she just she loves being outdoors. She she could be she's she's a little bit more of an introvert. She she can spend time in her head out outside in the backyard looking amongst the blades of grass um, for all sorts of different things um, and and find joy in that for two hours at a time. Mm. Um, and so when she goes on, on these kinds of trips, uh, I, I see things happen in her that maybe aren't necessarily oriented around nature, um, but oriented around her, her thought process and especially her confidence, um, and her, her, uh, the, the pride that she feels in her performance and how that leads to performing even better, whatever better looks like right down, right. down, down the road. My, my youngest or my, my middle child, uh, she, she is just a sponge for information and knowledge. And, and so while she may not necessarily enjoy the endurance component of it because she's six, you know, not, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's the main thing. While she may not necessarily enjoy that and her legs get tired sooner. And she's also a pretty small child. Uh, she's not tall like her, her uh, other one, uh, sister. She, she, she can get done with something and just remember the experience so much more vividly than all of us. And as long as she has, like you put it, uh, an experience where the 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 benefit and the joy and the information gain outweighs the suffer. She's she's all about doing it again. She actually just recently we, we just recently uh, picked up a a hand me down mountain bike for her from a, a, a cycling buddy of mine, and and I think having a bike that is now similar to her older sisters is oriented her now towards wanting to do this a bit more actively. So I, I would imagine yeah. in the next couple of years or year and a half or so, she'll be, she'll be with, with Eva and I, uh, doing some of these trips and, and really even riding, um, more technical terrain, both of them. We've, we took them to the trails yesterday and both of them were picking up the stuff pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and then my, That's my, awesome. my youngest, it's hard to, it's hard to tell. I mean, she's two, she's just right. turned two, <laughs> but I, I will say this, uh, she, when, when you're the youngest kid, you, you notice amongst your children that the, the younger child always is influenced by the older child. Well, this one's influenced by the two older children. And mm. she, she is always walking around the house with a, a helmet on saying, want to go ride bikes? Want to go ride yes. bikes? That's what she wants to do. And she, she finds joy in it because she sees it. The whole family sees joy in it. Um, yeah. And, you know, that that's an impulsive response, but I'll take that over anything else. Uh, yeah, that's funny. My three-year-old is very similar to that. All, although my ten-year-old hasn't taken to uh, the outdoors and cycling as much as I might personally hope. But again, mm-hmm. it's about knowing your kid and, and fostering the things in them that make sense for them. And um, so there's lots of ways to expo- uh, uh, um, uh, expose them to the outdoors and stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, I think I think my oldest, and again, that's that's true of, of just about anything, you know, or I guess true of any one thing that a parent needs to realize about their kids is that 
you know, there, there are the parents that really will push their children into things and keep mm, them yeah. pushed into those things for, for a long time. And, you know, that, that can go, that can end up great. And, and it, it might not, uh, the same thing with outdoor activities like this, but, uh, you know, if, if, I think if you allow your kids to see that it's a valuable part of your lifestyle, and it makes you a better person, it makes you a better parent, a better spouse, whatever it is, then I think they will pick up on that as well. I mean, that yeah. we, we, I, I, I'm a huge believer in nurture <laughs> uh, over nature in some, in some ways when it comes to kids and like how we, how we raise our children's a, uh, oh I mean, yeah, it's what we're talking about, right? I mean, it's it's <laughs> how we influence our children. And our, yeah, and our we children. we have an impact. Uh, we yeah. know that as parents. Now, I I believe in nature as well, but um, we we have an obligation, and that's what we're talking about. It is our responsibility. These are things that we we know are are important. They're they're valuable, mm-hmm. and we have a responsibility to inform our kids about it. Um, because it's important, not just because it's something fun we like to do. It's it actually matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whenever whenever my oldest daughter was born, um, you know, we, we come back to that cliche. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, children change your lives." Um, when, when my oldest daughter was born, I truly know knew what it felt like to say, "I would, I would, uh, you know, lay my life on the line for this person." And if I'm willing to do that for any one of my children, the least I could do is also show them what is extremely valuable to me. And, and you know, again, it, there's a lead by example orientation here. Um, you know, through that, hopefully influence their, at least their perception and perspective towards being active outdoors. Maybe not necessarily be as involved as I am, but at least right. appreciate it, respect it, and find value in it. There you go. Well, I think in summation, you and I are perfect parents, and we are doing an amazing job. <laughs> no, 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 not at no all. I know. I, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, I do want to segue into the the next chapter of kids or young adults. Uh, mm-hmm. You being a professor at Texas Tech. Um, I had the honor and privilege of being able to attend one of your adventure media classes. Most people are going to know that, um, I went on a trip with a group. It was what, uh, March of 2018, uh, 2019, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. It was just last year. Oh man. A lot's happened. Uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) you're right. It was last year. Um, but I wanted to uh, kind of take it to the next level when we're taking 18, 19, 20-year-olds, you know, the range there, some of them with some outdoor experience, some of them with zero uh, coming in camping for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to set the stage, you want to give a rundown of what that trip was and kind of, you know. Yeah. yeah well, yeah for, that, yeah. for those that are not familiar with the, the class, uh, it, it's, a, it's a, a class that's built originally for students that are interested in uh, working in or learning more about the outdoor uh, and outdoor recreation media enterprise. So, uh, you know, students that have an interest in maybe telling uh, documentary stories or commercial stories for companies like REI, Patagonia, all the way down to smaller uh, businesses as well, or maybe working for the the 
parks systems at, at whatever level that might be. Um, so, so the class is geared toward, towards that type of media, uh, storytelling, production, administration, etc. Um, and we, we, it's an, it's an extremely hands-on, uh, we, we, we call it a transformative learning experience. It's immersive. Uh, we, there's no real class room experience, there, like a traditional one. We don't sit in seats somewhere and, and have lectures and stuff like that. We, we, we orient the class around a spring break long bike packing expedition in the backcountry, wherever that may be. And so last year, uh, when you joined us, we went to Big Bend Ranch State Park, which is uh, is is my favorite place to, to bike pack um, and is one of my favorite places to ride in in the world um, and uh, it's a it's the perfect I hate even objectifying it like this but it's the perfect laboratory for this class because you we we go out for five to six days in the backcountry self-sufficient on bikes um, and you are truly out there and you've been yeah. down there several times some of your listeners have been down there you are truly out there. Like it's, it's, you yeah. know, it, the, the, the medical this isn't resources. This is your beginner bikepacking class. No, it's uh, not. The, yeah. 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 I mean, you are out in the middle of the desert and, and what is the closest ambulance or closest uh, hospital, oh, like six shoot. hours away or something? Yeah. I mean, if you're in the middle of the park, you're looking at, at a six hour, uh, you know, wait time probably for somebody to get to you. I'm sure yeah. they're, I'm sure they're a little bit, little bit quicker but you know and, and that's why we carry an, a, a spot uh, with us and and we take people that are um, wilderness first responder trained and and, uh, and and then we also take a number of support uh, or people in support of the class that have quite a bit of experience bikepacking and in, in, in the backcountry uh, to help uh, you know just just again kind of support and consult the students that are pretty fresh to it all uh, along the yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's to the point where when I first heard what you were, was it 16 students? Uh, see, la- last year we took 16, I believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so 16 students, some of which had never camped in their entire lives, mm-hmm. one of which learned to ride a bike for this trip. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it it's borderline crazy. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's it's risky, and but I, I think that's an important thing for the students to realize and to also see, is that there there is real inherent risk not only in taking the class but in doing these types of jobs. We 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 give them assignments um, that reflect the professional production that they would get into when they're on the payroll, uh, yeah. if, if you will, uh, and so. And with those assignments in this particular genre, um, it, it can be risky sometimes. And uh, that risk manifests itself in, in a number of different ways physically uh, for those that are riding the trailway. I don't care how experienced you are. I mean, this place is a is a, is a tough place to, to, to oh, buy. Yeah. And, uh, and then just also the risk in, in, in taking taking this task on and being a part of this, this kind of mechanism that moves through the desert, um, as a whole. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I learned so, so much from that trip. Um, God, I mean, even that you're capable of doing that, 
um, you particularly being able to put on something like that and giving them that opportunity. But what I saw was, um, I mean, so much, I mean, one people who are just really determined to be there and make the most of it and, and enjoy the experience, regardless of the fact that most of them didn't have all the best gear. Some of them were carrying 60 pounds of weight on their back and nothing <laughs> on their bike. Um, we had mechanicals, we had people flipping over their bars and chewing through their lips. And, um, and you know, we, we had one thing that I really took away is you do not baby them at all. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a crash course in, uh, and, and what, what a job like this would be like and listening to you now, it makes sense. You know, if you're, if you take a job for Patagonia, you need to be able to take care of yourself and, uh, be able to, you know, figure some stuff out, you know, there's not going to be someone that's just going to bail you out. Uh, so is there a component of that, yeah. I guess? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they, they need to, to expect it to be a, a, a challenge in a, in a number of different ways. Yeah. And, and I think now that the class has run several years and it's gotten a little bit of attention that, but, but word of mouth is still the strongest thing around it. It's, um, you know, students that apply because you have to apply an interview for the class now. Students that apply, like they know it's going to be different, like way different than any other class that they've ever been in, uh, probably. And um, yeah, you know that that's that's, and I think they they know that the, the especially the physical risk and uh, you know the, the the fact that you're not simply holding their hands the whole way is yeah. a part of it. Now, all that being said, we, we never take students to a place that we think will be a complete disaster for them. We, we need them to feel pushed. We need them to feel challenged um, because that has to come on top of the actual professional work that they're producing down there, right? They have to, they have to experience what you and I would experience if we went to go cover an event or do a commercial job for somebody. But... Um, but we never put them in in untested waters, if you will. So we, right. I, I know Big Bend Ranch State Park pretty well um, and have had a lot of conversations with folks like you and Ryan and other rangers down there, other people that have experienced it. And I've, and I've spent a lot of time in the backcountry there uh, on bikes, so on and so forth. So I know where to slow the group. I know where mm -hmm. to suggest things on how to take the trail, but also I know where to tell people, hey, this is a great shot. Or you might think about interviewing somebody about this particular um, uh, activity that you're involved in right over there or something like that. We, uh, But we know what we're getting into. We, we always scout these places. La last year, Simon Parmley, one of the one of the former students of the class who's now working for our college as a marketing guy, he's... He's always been involved with the class, and he and I went on a scouting trip to uh, to look at the the monumental loop in in New Mexico, Las Cruces, because oh yeah, we we were really interested in doing it, and and I think in the future we'll still do a part of it, but we were interested in a particular section of it that seemed to have the most water, because when you move that many people through a space, mm -hmm. you need to make sure you can find water. Yeah, and uh, and we we got down there. And, and we started riding, and our goal was to ride 100 miles in two days. Topographically, if you look at the map, uh, if you know, check out bikepacking.com's uh, write up on it. The the northern loop 
we, we thought well, we should be able to do that just fine. We'll, we'll be able to scout and determine how the students, where they need to camp, where we'd need to water up, so on and so forth. And, uh, and it, uh, I even, I even talked to, uh, you know, folks involved with the development of, of that course. Matt was a really, really great resource. Um, it's just Matt for the most part, right? Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. And, 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 uh, and I, I feel bad because we, this year, we, we ended up deciding not to go out there based on the experience that myself and Simon, so two relatively experienced mountain bikers, had with the students in mind. If it was just us two going out there to bike, like we, it would have been, you know, it, it was a great trip. But yeah. uh, we, we set out to, to do 50 miles a day. And I think we got 29 miles in the first day. Um, and, and, you know, again, part of that is just thinking about where the students would be, but also the terrain is, is really challenging and not technically challenging like Big Bend is at times, but challenging uh, in duration. And so if the first 40 miles are really, really tough of that northern loop, if you start in hatch. And so we, we just ultimately decided, you know, again, it was unfortunate because I, I, I think at some point we will work with Matt out there, uh, at some point, but, but, uh, we just got to thinking like, I don't think the students would be up for that challenge the way we typically train them to, to ride, uh, mm-hmm. leading up to spring break. And so, uh, we decided not to, to do that one really just in, uh, in regard to the, the, the safety of, of the student, but also just their, their general experience. It's one thing to be, to, for it to be hard. Um, but, uh, it, it, I think it would have taken another level of mountain biker to enjoy and get out of the class, what they would need to get out of it. If we'd have went right. and did the Northern loop. You're least. looking for like yeah. a, a balance of challenging, but obviously they need to be productive yeah. and, um, and and some reward at the end, hopefully. Yeah. And now that <laughs> yeah. being said, I don't I don't want I'm not poo pooing the monumental loop. It is a oh, fantastic no. place to go bikepack and mountain bike. It is incredible. The views are awesome. Yeah. If if you like a real challenge, and I think Matt's very upfront about this. If you want a real challenge, it is the place to go. And it, it it's yeah. awesome. Las Cruces is awesome. Hatch, but truth or consequences, that whole stretch is super. It just what that. The northern loop, the spot we had time to check out, it just wasn't going to be for the students. Yeah, I mean, taking 16 kids, or sorry, young adults, uh, mm-hmm. into a desert or a harsh environment is completely a different thing than yeah. um, just going out with your buddy and going to go for a ride. Yeah. Um, uh, there, I, I wanted to touch on one other thing about your class that I really um, noticed and enjoyed was... I mean, it's hard to really put into words, but there's a couple things. One is whenever you we, they were put into that environment, I saw you know strangers become friends and friends become a community, mm-hmm. um, and everybody really everything went really well. I mean, there's a couple hiccups here and there, but um, I saw everybody really congregate together and uh, work together very well. And it was really nice to see. And it happened naturally. It wasn't you directing it to happen. Mm-hmm. It was just, I think, the realization of being where we were and the importance of um, 
safety and, and, and also enjoying it and all that stuff. I mean, I, I, I just saw a lot of really positive benefits of, of them, like really coming together as a group that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I, the, the other thing that I, I saw was people's lives. I felt like really changed as a, as a result of, of being in that environment and connecting with nature and doing something hard. And at the end of the day, getting a, a just a supreme, um, victory or a, a sense of accomplishment, you, you know, yeah. day three really, st- or night three really stands out to me. That sunset that we saw at Chora Vista, oh, yeah. um, was one of my personal, like best experiences I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And many of us were on the same page. I saw people like crying and, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, out of joy and just happiness and, um, I, I, I guess I just was yeah. curious to hear some of your thoughts on what it's been like um, watching people transform, mm-hmm. not not you know with their photography, but but as people as they get immersed in this type of activity, maybe for the first time or or yeah. whatnot. Yeah, well, I think that's the most important thing to to see. You know, we we have learning objectives for the course, but uh, you know, ultimately, you know, my, my my favorite thing to see and the thing that I I I, I hope people walk away with is a sense of, of transformation. And it, it sounds, it sounds kind of cliche and maybe even heady to, to really kind of talk about it in those terms, but it is truly what happens. And, and, uh, you know, I, I hope a lot of folks, especially a lot of your listeners have had these kinds of experiences themselves where they, they could, they could point to the time in their life where their lives changed, um, around whatever it might be. And, and uh, I think that happens, for a lot, and I hope it happens for all of the students in, in classes like this. You know, you, you pointed out that, that evening where we had that, that just that outstanding sunset. I actually think that was night four. Or, you're right. Or, yeah. But, no, you're right. That's night four. But, but uh, that came after two really hard days mm-hmm. uh, on, on the trail. That came after the, the, the El Solitario, which is always tough um and i don't care who you are and and then it came uh the next day after making those big hike bikes out yes. of sauceda and up to chora vista oh. and uh you know I, i've only i've actually only seen one person ride those entire things and so you know and i tell students all the time it's like you know i want y'all to try that but you know don't be don't be ashamed if you have to get off your bike and and push oh, it because yeah. at that point you know a lot of them have been pushing some of the climbs anyways and and uh but it came after two days and they they really had been kind of beat up to that point and we were camped at a site with no water so they've been carrying loads of water with them for the past few miles the last water spot and we get to camp and people are pretty tired but at the same time, they're still pretty energized because we got to camp a little early, and then, and then that sunset happens, and then it's just like ultimate payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens in that moment, hopefully, is that you know, yes, they're they're kind of entertained because there's a performance to the sky out there. But but that's when things really start to click for them. Like, look, this is why we came out here. Yeah. You know, this is this is why we're we're working so hard to produce materials that that promote this type of activity, but also promote the stewardship and conservation of these places, getting to know places like this. And, uh, you know, that, that's a, that's a huge moment 
for for me as an instructor, hopefully it's just as big or even bigger for them because, you know, I had the same experience whenever I, I took a, a 15-day field course that I now teach, but I took it with Wyman Menzer, who, was, who then later became my mentor. I, I just remember those 15 days as being, it just turned my life uh, in a different direction. I, I, I paid a lot more attention to not only what I wanted to do professionally, but also where I wanted to do it and what I was doing it around. And, and so I think you start seeing mindsets change, uh, life goals start to become maybe less rigid uh, uh, or, or maybe even more rigid about where these students want to go and, and, and what they want to do with their lives, both personally and professionally. Trish, Trish Nag, you mentioned her earlier. I mean, she, she's yeah. a she's a really great example. I mean, she's one of those students that had zero camping zero, experience, yeah. zero backcountry experience. Um, her first night of camping was on our shakedown ride that we do to Caprock Canyon State Park, and it was seven degrees outside. I mean, it was it was super cold. Uh, yeah. and, and but she she camped. She spent a few hours, I think, in the restroom, uh, trying to <laughs> trying to just get warm, and then rode back you know, that 30 some odd miles the next day in sub freezing temperatures. I mean, but she, she still came into the big bend trip just headfirst into it and, and, and just had this massively transformational experience now to where she wants to take her, her trajectory as a computer scientist and, and find out how to make that work in being an advocate for the outdoor industry and, right. and being active outdoors and not only being active outdoors, but being an advocate for females being active outdoors, yeah. the, the less represented. Uh, and so she, yeah, her she's story a, was, yeah, her story there is, it's not fair to just pick out one person, but we don't have five yeah, hours to talk yeah. because honestly we, there was, uh, I we, was inspired by every single person there, but absolutely. We could talk just about to, every one of them. Yeah. yeah. But, but Trish did stand out to me. Uh, number one, she's like 90 pounds soaking wet <laughs> and yeah. I never saw her not smiling. Yep. Um, and it was the first time she had ever been camping. And if I remember correctly, she had to get some, her, her family was actually pretty um, against her participating. And I think her parents had to like talk to you and you had to like reassure them that it was going to be okay. Am I getting this right? Uh, I, I can't remember if they, they contacted me, but, but I, I did answer some questions for her to, to take back to her parents. And okay. I, I, I really think her parents were just at first concerned why she didn't want to come home that spring break and spend time with them mm. uh, and do this thing that, I guess I'm assuming they just knew that that they knew she didn't have any experience with to begin with. Um, but the the one of the cool things uh, she told me later in the year was that when she did go home and visit with her family, uh, at some point they were wondering when they could go with her to do this kind of stuff. Oh. And and so I mean that that to me is pretty cool. You know, it's ding, one thing ding, to ding. yeah, it's yeah. One, one thing to take kids, your you know your children camping. It's another thing to take your parents camping. You <laughs> I know? love it, man. And and, and I, I think I'm I'm so proud of her. And you know, there, there's pe- people in this class are, are very and she's she's a non traditional student for this class. She's not a media student, so she she took it for the honors credit, and now she's finding ways to to have it impact her professional and personal movement forward. Then you got students like, 
like Tanner Fowler and Madison Walker, who who are traditional media production students, who I, I think you know really kind of saw their future wrapped up in sports media production. They're both extremely talented sports media professionals. Um, I mean, they 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 belong to a team of of students that have recreated the look of Texas Tech athletics um, for the world, and and yet they they take this class and now they see there's much more opportunity than just thinking about stick and ball sports as, as mm-hmm. part of their professional portfolio and their movement forward. And, and uh, you know, both of them expressed interest in, in, you know, especially non-traditional sports for the U S uh, coverage like that, but also telling stories around it, how those kinds of things, these kinds of experiences impact people just like we've been talking about uh, today. And, uh, so, you know, there, there's two more examples. Uh, yeah. You're right. I mean, we could talk about every single one of them. <laughs> it's not fair to just, yeah, I know. But uh, a shout out to everybody who was on that trip because I was blown away yeah. uh, by everybody who participated yeah. and uh, equally, if not more so, blown away by you, um, by the efforts that you take and the passion with which you um, carry them out. Mm. Uh, you like to use the word doer and you my friend are a doer you are truly um inspiring and changing lives and 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 then it's having a real impact they're not just words that you're saying um you know people are people's lives are changed by the uh the 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 actions that you're taking both as a a father to your own kids and then you know later on in life um Mm whenever you get them a little bit older, not your kids, but other people's <laughs> kids and, and giving yeah. them a, a taste of all that. So, uh, it, it. man, you're, you're, you're awesome. I appreciate <laughs> you coming on and, and sharing some of those perspectives with us. Oh, yeah. I could truly talk to you all day, but I know we have things to do. We have to be a dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Got to go make lunch. Well, I, I appreciate you and I appreciate your support of the, the class and the program and of, of me and, and my activities. I think, you know, it's because of people like you that make that class really, really special for the students in, in other ways too, because your presence there, Brandon Weaver's presence there, you know, Simon, Justin Rex, my brother, Seth, I mean, all Anna Claire Beasley, them being a part of that class helps the students see that, that this type of work uh, on top of this type of lifestyle is, is a very viable thing that, that brings a lot of satisfaction uh, to, to people and to communities all around the world. And so I I appreciate your, your, uh, willingness to be a part of it all. All right, buddy. Well, it's been a pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing and, uh, look forward to the next time we get a chance to talk. Uh, man, I appreciate it. Take care. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. And thanks again to Jared for taking the time. Uh, it's always a privilege to get to talk to him and glean from his knowledge and his experience, uh, both, with his own children and family, uh, all the way to his students at the university. Hope everybody is doing well, staying well, staying safe. We're still in lockdown. But at least where I'm at, we are still allowed to ride bikes. So, if appropriate, if done so within the guidelines, if you are super safe, and wearing a mask, gloves, a face shield. If you do all those things, then go ride your damn bike. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. 
could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes.